Good morning, Gateway. Well, good morning, everybody. If you want to make your way to your seats, we are so thankful we get to gather together as God's people this morning. I love the fellowship that we all have together as brothers and sisters in Christ and the chance to see each other and to enjoy being together. We're glad to welcome you to Gateway this morning and to our visitors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Thanks for coming to worship the Lord with us today. Just several announcements as we begin this morning before we start our time of worshiping the Lord. Um, as you know, we're beginning our new study through First Peter. We began that last Sunday, and I'm so excited about walking through this journey. We'll continue that this morning. If you've not picked up one of the ESV scripture journals, we want you to have one. They're in the table in the back by the doors you came in. They're in the table outside the restrooms and the office hallway. Grab one of those this morning. It's just an opportunity for you to be able to read First Peter in an easy format with a place to take notes and highlight things and mark it up and and just to be able to write down your prayers that go along with it. So I would encourage you to pick up one of those. There are no charge to you. We're glad to provide it for you before you leave today. Get on the table in the back or in the hallway. You can get a copy of a scripture journal for yourself. As well, we mentioned last week, we're providing for you at no cost something called the Dwell Bible app. We've mentioned this before. We want to bring this back to your attention if you're new to Gateway. The Dwell Bible app normally has a subscription, but the church is going to cover this for you. We want to give you ways to encourage you to be in the Word of God, to hear the Word of God, to read the Word of God, and the Dwell Bible app is just a fun way to do that. You can pick Bible reading plans, you can pick books of the Bible, and you can listen to it, you can read along, and so you can hear someone else read it while you're reading it yourself. You have topical themes if you want to look at hope in the midst of suffering. There's all these topics you can choose from. But if you want to get the Dwell app for no charge, just go to that, that website, dwellapp.io slash sign up slash with slash gateway. And with that link, you can get the app for free on your phone and use it to just to fill your life with God's Word. You can use it while you're driving in the mornings on your commute to work and just hear God's Word in the background. You can use it as you're laying down at night. You can use it in your devotional time. There's just so many ways just to immerse yourself in the Word of God, and we want to provide that to you. Now, as we look to the week ahead, obviously this is 4th of July holiday, so their office will be closed tomorrow, but today there's no kids' worship. So first to fourth graders, you'll be in the service with us today, and then kids' worship will kick back in next week and run the rest of the summer, but first to fourth graders, we're glad that you'll be in here with us today. For the men of the church, this Wednesday night, we're having a men's trail hike and devotional time. Mike Presley's coordinated. This is for the college age and adult men of the church to get together, to enjoy being outside, to enjoy getting to know each other better, to be able to pray for one another, have a devotional time. This is this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Men, if you're on our email list, you should have details about it. If not, you can go to our website, gatewaybaptist.com, and go to the news and events section. You will see it there. You do not need to register to show up Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. We'll be at the AUM Trails. So if you're not familiar with AUM's campus off of Taylor Road, they have a huge wooded area behind the campus. So these are not the paved trails in the middle of the campus. These are the woods behind the campus. And there's about four miles of amazing trails back there. We're going to be hiking those together. A map to where to meet is on the website. So go to the website first. Make sure you know where you're going so you can find us Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Last announcement for the parents of the church. This coming Saturday night, so just six days from now, there's a Parents' Night Out hosted by our Young Adult Life Group. So our Young Adult Life Group loves to serve, and they had the idea a while back they wanted to serve the parents of the church by giving them a date night. So that is this Saturday. Um, Sign-up is required. We are already at 50% capacity for this event. This one fills up quick, so parents, if you're planning on doing this, you need to sign up soon because it is already halfway full and space is limited but it'll be from four to seven o'clock your kids will have a fun evening of recreation and crafts and snacks we'll feed them dinner while they're here and you get several hours to enjoy being together you can find the registration for that on our website as well gatewaybaptist.com and go to the news 
and events section. Now, before we sing to the Lord this morning, we want to focus our minds on Scripture. Can I ask you to stand, please, as I read God's Word for us to help us turn our mind to the things of the Lord. We're going to begin this morning by singing Victory in Jesus. And as we think about the hope we have in Christ now, He purchased our salvation. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Let's celebrate the grace of the Lord this morning in song.
Oh, 
To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Cause you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from to you are brought things you 
truth. You are worthy of it all. You're worthy of the words that we've sung this morning. You are worthy of the declarations of the creation around us as it lifts up praise to you and reflects your glory. You are worthy of praise from our lips for the work that you've done in, in our lives and bringing us to yourself and, and the great cost that was paid to, for that to happen. The great suffering, you are worthy of praise. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You are worthy of that praise. You are worthy of, of all that we have to express. Father God, we, we gather here as a church family. We are surrounded by spiritual brothers and sisters, and we are broken and messed up, and we are not reflective of, of the name that we call ourselves by other than what you have done in us and what you continue to do in us and through us and that your spirit abides in us. That's, that is why we can come to you, and we thank you for that. And out of that brokenness, we, we just pray to you, God, to uh, continue to work and for us to continue to be receptive to that work within our lives. We lift up to you the, the people who are here in this congregation, this body, this family of yours that we call Gateway. We lift up to you each other. We lift up in particular the marriages that are here in our church family and pray for them and that they be strengthened, that we reflect um, what your desire is, that you, we are the bride of Christ as your church and that you are a loving husband. We pray that we reflect that relationship in our marriages here and that you guard and protect uh, those marriages and those families, uh, special protection for them. We thank you for the people who are ministering uh, out of this body in different ways. We lift up to you, Foch Smart, and, and his work at Safety Net. I pray for that and that you're working there, that as individuals go from this church into their various capacities and ministries, that you are using them to, to expand your kingdom, but you're using them to share the love of God that, that you've given them and put within them. We just thank you for those that are using their work and their ministry to expand your kingdom and reflect your love to those who are in desperate need of it. We 
lift up to you folks that are a little further afield in the South Lawn Baptist Church here in Montgomery, Pastor Finley. We just pray as they meet this morning that you are speaking uh, words of truth through him, that you are uh, helping encourage and support and, and, and motivate the people that he is serving in that, in that capacity there. We lift up folks that are serving overseas in very difficult situations. The folks that are serving uh, the, the people, the Christian brothers and sisters that we have in Ukraine and are in very desperate straits. We pray that your life and your, your love is made real to them through, through brothers and sisters that are serving there. We lift up the folks that are serving in Taiwan, uh, in particular the Hakka people, and just pray for people who are ministering to that people group. They are, they are helping make your, your life and, and what you've done on, be, on behalf of, of us as, 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 as humans, that you're, you're making what, what you've done real and that, and that people are coming to know you as a consequence of that. As we look to the, the nation as a whole, we just thank you tomorrow, I think 147 years that this nation's been around and we just pray that this nation will grow um, uh, to honor you and, and reflect you and its decisions more and more that uh, you will use it to uh, to work in the lives of us with uh, justice uh, and, and care and that uh, you can use it for your purposes in many places. We replay for our leaders at the city here in Montgomery and the state and the nation that those people will turn to you for wisdom and to look to you and what they would uh, what you would have them do the hand they are there in your hands and we just pray that they would look to you for wisdom and what should be done we pray for Grady as he shares your word this morning that we would have hearts receptive to that message of truth and uh, that you would uh, you would hide him for him from us almost and, and let us hear the words of truth that he is expressing and we pray for the, the finances that have been given to the church we pray that those are multiplied and used for your kingdom and your glory in, in whatever way you would see fit we lift these prayers up to you in Jesus precious name Amen Well, good morning again, Gateway family. I want you to find 1 Peter chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. We began our study last week of this amazing letter. And we saw last week several foundational truths to help guide us as we spend this year digging into 1 Peter. Let me just remind you from last week, we saw that 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter. And it was inspired by God. That means what we're reading, friends, is not just Peter's words for us. It is God's words for us. It's God's revelation. It's God's will for us. We saw last week that 1 Peter was written to God's people in a world that's hostile to Jesus. He wrote to believers who were struggling to follow Christ in a hard world, who faced difficulties in this life. But most importantly, we saw last week that this was written to help us know the grace of God, not just to know about the grace of God, but to experience the grace of God. As we saw from the very end of the letter, this book was written to help us stand firm in the grace of God. In other words, 1 Peter is given to us to help us live lives that are transformed by God's grace, that we have to have lives that are transformed by the grace of God. As such, 1 Peter is really a call for us to be different, and we're going to explore more of that 
this morning. Friends, with that in view, I want to ask you, have you ever experienced feeling different because you're a follower of Christ, because you're a Christian? Have you realized that you think differently than others? You live differently, perhaps than your classmates, your coworkers, your neighbors, even your family, and so you sense you feel different from those around you. And with that, friends, have you ever felt pressure to conform to what others around you are doing? And when you did not, you felt ostracized or misunderstood or even made fun of. Friends, feeling different and feeling the pressure to conform is not new. That has been the normal Christian experience throughout church history. And First Peter was written to help us understand how our lives are different because we follow Christ and what that cost us in this life. So First Peter's about being different. Our question for this morning is, what do we mean when we say that Christians are different? And then what made us different? If we're different and we feel that, what made us different and what do we mean by that? We find the answer to both those in verse number two of 1 Peter chapter one this morning. Now, friends, as you look at 1 Peter, verses one and two is just one sentence in the original Greek language. So yes, we did half a sentence last week and we're doing half a sentence this week as we go through the beginning of this letter here. But as we look at verse two this morning, I want us to be looking for again, what is different about us as followers of Christ and then what made us different. And since one and two go together, though, we talked about verse one last week. I want to start back there and let's read verses one and two as our primary scripture this morning. So can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the unchanging word of God? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter one, verses one and two. I'll be reading out the English standard version. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that you've given us your word. God, we're grateful for the riches that you have for us in it. And I pray this morning as we talk about these verses, Lord, that you would open our eyes to the wonder of it. Lord, as we think about your grace and how your grace has changed us and made us different, Lord, I pray these would not just be theological terms for us, Lord, these be terms that give our hearts a sense of awe and wonder at your glory and your greatness and your incredible love for us. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone who's in this room or watching with us online who's never experienced the saving and transforming grace of God, Lord, today would be the day that they would come to understand it, that your Holy Spirit be working in their lives. Lord, for those of us who know it, help us not take it for granted and use your word today to give us a greater sense of awe and thankfulness for what you have done and are doing in our lives as your people we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I said that one of the things you see in First Peter is that followers of Christ are different. Well, where do we see that there? Well, let's go back to verse 1 in today's text here. We looked at this last week, but notice this phrase here. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are, and here it is, elect exiles. This phrase, elect exiles, is telling us that we are different. Now, how are we different? What do we see here? This shows us we're different in two ways. First of all, this phrase shows us that we are different from who we used to be. We are different from our past, different from who we used to be in the past. This word elect, we dug into this a little bit more last week, but this describes being chosen by God, God's initiative, God's work. This means that we are followers of Christ because of what God did. If you are in Christ, if you know you're a Christian, at some point in your life, God turned your heart to him. And when that happened, God changed you. God made you different from how you used to be. I love how Peter gives us a glimpse of that and describes that just a little bit later in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. He says, once you were not a people, 
but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, when we come to faith in Christ, God makes us radically different than who we used to be. Here in verse 10, he's talking about our standing has changed. We had not been recipients of mercy, but because of God's work, we now are. We had not, we're not the people of God. Now we're God's people. Our standing before God has changed. But when God changes us, it's not just our standing that changed. Our whole life changes. He changes our beliefs. We go from not believing in God to believing in him. He changes our hearts. We go from loving ourselves and living for ourselves to loving God and his purposes. Our behavior changes. Everything about us begins to change when God makes us his people. I love how it's said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When we become the people of God, he changes who we are, and it radically shapes our whole lives. I love how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous, these are people separate from Christ who have not believed in him, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, verse 10, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 11, here's the hope. And such were some of you past tense, that followers of Christ come from all that. We come from our sin. We come from living like the world. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. When we come to faith in Christ, it radically changes us. It makes us different from who we are because God has done the work to us. Friends, that raises the question in our lives. Friends, what in our lives is different today than when we first came to faith in Christ? If you think of your story and your testimony, think of that time when Christ changed you and you knew that you believed and you began to love God and love his word and you understood you belonged to him and received grace and mercy. Friends, what has changed in your life from before that point to today? How have your beliefs about God changed? How have your heart affections and heart motivations changed? How has your speech changed? How has our lives changed because we now belong to God? When God changes us. When God makes us his people, it makes us different from how we used to be. We are the elect of God. Friends, but there's a second word in this phrase. If you go back to verse one, he says he's writing to elect exiles. Friends, when God changes us from our past, that makes, means also we are now different from the world. So we're not just different from how we used to be before Christ. We're also now different from the world. By the world, we mean those who are not followers of Christ their values, their priorities, the way of life that permeates the entire world. And we see that here in this idea of we are elect exiles. In some of your translations say aliens or strangers. Exiles are people who are far away from home. They're living in a place that is not their home in a foreign country which has different norms and values and ways of life. And friends, I saw this firsthand so many times in my life. Before I came to Gateway, I was working with international students in Auburn. And they would come from their countries and come to their cultures and come to the United States. And they found themselves in some sense exiles, aliens, and strangers because our culture was so different than what they experienced. They would come from very communal cultures. They land here in our very American individualism and find themselves feeling very lonely because the norms and ways of life were so different. They came from a place where everything was about relationships and a slow pace of life. And they land here with our schedules and busyness and they couldn't figure out why we did what we did, and they come from the foods they're used to and come to a place where we eat strange things like okra, and we fry it or we boil it and do weird things to it, and they can't figure out why we do what we do. They found themselves at a place where the ways were different than they had come from. And friends, if you travel internationally and go to other cultures, 
you experience the same thing. You find the norms and the values very different. If you ever go with me to Thailand and they say, we're going to give you dessert, you're thinking chocolate brownies and cookies, and they hand you sticky rice with mango in it. You're going, that's not dessert. This dip, the values are different. The norms are different. And that's kind of the image that Peter is trying to pull from for us here. As we follow Christ, we find ourselves different from how we used to be. We now find ourselves different from the way of life of those around us. We are exiles. We are strangers. We are different from the surrounding culture. And all throughout this book, Peter is going to pull from this to help us understand that we are different than the world around us. For example, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Peter reminds us, I think we have that on the screen for you, keep your conduct among the Gentiles and non-believers honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. That our life is going to be different than those around us and people will speak against us because that's different. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, he says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So he's saying, as you live for Christ, you're going to be different in the world, and people are going to ask you about it. Be ready to answer why you're different, but do it with gentleness and respect. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, not if, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. He's saying, as you live for Christ and live as a people of God, you will be different and the world will not understand. Likewise, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, for the time is past, that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry, verse 4. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. That We're different from the world now. And when we say we're different from the world, this is not we're at a place of some superiority. We're different simply because of the grace of God, not because of anything in us. And we realize our values are now different from those around us. So friends, again, as you look at your life, as you follow Christ, what is different about you, not just from your past, what is different about you than what the way the world thinks and what the world does? What is distinct about you because you are a follower of Christ? Friends, God's will is for us to be different from the world, but if we're honest in our lives, there's a lot of ways we camouflage and blend into the world a lot more than we are distinct from it. But God's will is for us to be different as his people. Well, that raises the question, friends, if we are different from how we used to be and we're different from how the world thinks, what made us different? And verse two tells us what made us different, friends. And there's nothing for us to boast in ourselves. And this, this is all what God has done for us. In verse two, you have three prepositions. So the kids in here who've had Miss Jennifer and Miss Amy are going to be really excited because we get some prepositional phrases here to look at here. There's three prepositional phrases here in verse two, according to, in, and four. And all three of these prepositional phrases in verse two support one word in verse one, and that is, you are the elect. He says, you are the elect according to, you are the elect in, you are the elect for. It all tells us how we came to be chosen, how we came to be different as the people of God. So if you read this verse, the way it flows in the structure, it says, if you're looking at verse two, to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, to the elect in the sanctification of the Spirit, to the elect for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. So what does that mean? What has changed for us? What made us different as a people of God? Well, first, we've experienced God's saving grace. We've experienced God's saving grace. If you are in Christ, this has already happened to you. Look at this very first phrase of verse two, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, according to is a preposition that shows us the cause of something. 
He's saying here, you are the people of God. You are different according to, because of what follows. And notice what follows is you are the people of God. You are different, not because you are moral, not because you are smart, not because you were wise, not because you were investigating the truth. You are different now. Why? Because of the foreknowledge of God the Father. Friends, this word foreknowledge means much more than just God knew what would happen. Yes, God is omniscient. God knows all things. This word is much richer than God just knowing the future. Look at how, Paul, look at how Peter uses his word a few verses later in verses 19 and 20. He talks about the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. In verse 20, he Christ, the one who's like the lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you. Christ was foreknown. God the Father didn't just know what the Son would do. He planned it. He ordained it. And so when you see this word foreknowledge in Scripture, it refers to God's definite plan. It refers to His will. And you see it in Scripture used that way. For example, Acts 2 Verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed. Christ dying was not just something that the Father knew would happen. He planned it, he ordained it. So with that use of foreknowledge, we go back to verse two, you are chosen by God. How? According to the foreknowledge of God, because of the definite plan of God the Father. Now, Christians, let this sink in and let the wonder of it sink in. When we start talking about words like elect or predestined or exiles or all these terms, so often our minds get into theological debates about things. That's not why this word is here. This is a word given to, to, by God to us to fill our hearts with hope and security and wonder in this world that our salvation is because of the unchanging will of God and nothing can take it from us. This word should not lead us to debate. This word should lead us to awe and wonder and thankfulness and hope in this world. Friends, if you are in Christ, that means before time ever began, before God even spoke the world into being, he already had set his affection on you. Before he made the world, he had already determined to set you apart to be part of his people. He had chosen to make you part of his people, to make you different for his sake, to make you different for his glory. He did this in his sovereign good will, and we are the recipients, the beneficiaries of his great love. Let the wonder of that sink in, that God chose you before the foundation of the world. Because you see it all throughout Scripture. For example, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I read this when we started the service this morning. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. We should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Friends, if you are in Christ, you belong to God. He has adopted you. He's holding you. And let the wonder of that sink in. You see it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 that we'll look at next week. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So we're reminded here, Peter's saying you're different because it was God's will. God pursued you. God changed your heart. It was the will of God the Father. But he also reminds us here that the Holy Spirit has an important role in this as well. Look at verse 2 again and look at the next phrase. It talks about you are elect exiles in the sanctification of the Spirit in, the preposition that shows you the means by which something happens. We are different. We are chosen because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That means, friends, again, if you and I are following Christ, it's not because we are the smartest people out there, the most discerning people out there, studied the most. 
If we are in Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit has convicted us of our sin. The Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to see the truth of God and the truth of Scripture. The Holy Spirit has turned our hearts to believe and given us belief and given us a desire to live for God. You may be thinking, but Grady, it says here in verse 2, this is the sanctification of the Spirit. This doesn't say the justification of the Spirit. It says the sanctification. We normally think of justification when God declares us righteous and sanctification being the process of growing in godliness. And yes, that's how we normally use the word sanctification, but that's not how the word sanctification is used here. To sanctify something means simply to make it holy, right? So when we think of normally of sanctification, it's that process of becoming more and more holy in life. What is it to be holy? To be holy is to be set apart. We say God is holy because God is set apart. He's different from us. He's pure. And so here when it talks about the sanctification of the Spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit setting us apart to be distinct as God's people. It's talking about that initial work where the Holy Spirit takes the will of God the Father, what was purchased by God the Son, and he applies it to our lives to set us apart as God's people. We are elect exiles. We are the chosen strangers of God because it was the will of God the Father because the Holy Spirit then applied it to us. And friends, as we think about all that, we call that grace. There's nothing we do here. We bring the sin. God brings the forgiveness. God comes to us and meets us where we are in our rebellion and our sinfulness, and he turns our hearts to him. He forgives us. He saves us. He changes us. He gives us what we do not deserve. He gives us grace. So friends, but before we move on again, the question to ask ourselves, all of us, have we received God's saving grace? Not just have we prayed a prayer or have we done the externals of baptism, but friends, have we experienced saving grace? Have we understood that we're sinners? Have we experienced the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to the wonders of God's plan for our life? Do we know we belong to God because of nothing we did, but all because of him? So we're different as Christians because of God's saving grace. But second of all, we're different because of God's transforming grace. We talk about grace. You've heard me say before, so often we only focus on the saving grace, that God saved us, I'm going to heaven when I die, I'm okay. But when we think about grace in Scripture, there's not just saving grace, there's also transforming grace. And we see that in the third preposition here. Go back to verse 2. It's talking about to the elect exiles, and here's the third preposition, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. The preposition 4 here tells us the reason God has done something for us. God has made us his chosen people, not so we'd have this amazing spiritual experience, not so we would feel happy, not to make much of us. Rather, he did this so that we would obey Christ. We are elect exiles for the purpose of obeying Christ. Now, friends, this is so important because we live in a culture that tells us God wants to fulfill our dreams and God wants to make much of us, but that's not the message of Scripture. God loves us, and that is very true, but God is conforming us to his will. He's not conforming his will to us, okay? God is not up in heaven going, what do you want me to do with your life? God is saying, here's my plan for your life. Now we are to conform our lives to God's will, not the other way around. And what is his will for us? To be more like Christ, to obey Christ. I love how Romans 8, 29 tells us this truth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 25, for those he foreknew, he also predestined, notice this, to be conformed, to the image of his son. Because we get hung up so much in life of what is God's will for my life? Well, yes, there's specifics we can wrestle with with that, but at the core, God's will for every one of our lives, you don't have to wonder, God's will is for us to be more like Christ, with each day to become more like Jesus, to have his transforming grace grow us into Christ's likeness. Now, how does God make us more like Christ? Well, things we've talked about all along the way. Prayer, scripture, community, and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
right? We go back to the basics. God's transforming grace is not some mystical thing. God works through the means of grace he's established. He's given us his word, the Bible. So as we read it, as we talk about it, as we study it, he convicts us of areas we're not like Christ. He gives us the desire to repent. He gives us the desire to want to be more like Christ. And he gives us the strength to change. As we, as we pray and talk to the Lord about that, he begins to convict us more of our sin and give us those desires to change and find the strength to change. As we live in community, he gives us brothers and sisters in Christ to get into our business and ask us the hard questions and love us enough to help us see our sin, to help us see what the scripture says, to help us run to the Lord and to find strength to change. And he has the Holy Spirit in our lives who is not only just sealing us for redemption, but who is convicting us of the truth of these things and changing us. God's transforming grace comes through the means of grace. And but friends, even as we're being transformed, the reality is I will fall short and you will fall short. We all struggle like sin on this journey to become more like Christ. We will still fall flat on our face in sin every day. So what do we do in that? Well, that's the next part of this phrase back in verse number two. We are chosen people. We're the elect exiles for obedience to Jesus Christ and notice this, and for sprinkling with his blood. Now, what in the world does that mean, that we are being sprinkled with the blood, that we have been chosen for sprinkling with blood? Now, that's a weird image, right? What is this about? This goes back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 24, verses 7 and 8. When God makes the covenant with his people, then he, Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they all said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, just time out there, friends. If you read the Old Testament, which I hope you will, do they do that? No. They will not. The law was unable to help them do this. For, but friends, for those of us who say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Yes, I want you to be my Lord. Do we do that? No, we all still sin every day. So the people say we will be obedient, but the reality is they can't and we can't either. But verse eight, look at what happens here in verse eight. And Moses took the blood, the blood of the sacrifices, and he threw it on the people. Now, aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? Aren't you glad that Christ was the final sacrifice? I don't have a thing of blood up here and I'm sprinkling blood all over you today. But Moses threw the blood on the people. Now, why? This is a powerful symbol to the people. The people who God knows will continue in their sin. They have this image. They've had the sacrificial lamb's blood thrown on them. Why? Behold, the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Friends, in the Old Testament, these sacrifices, the blood pointed people to the forgiveness of sins that would come in Christ. Why in the world then is Peter pointing people back to say, you have been set apart to obey Christ, but also to be sprinkled with his blood? He is reminding us of the fact that we sin every day, but Christ's blood covers us every day. That if we are in Christ, every sin we've ever committed is already forgiven. Every sin we will commit is forgiven in Christ. And every sin that you and I have already committed this morning is already forgiven in Christ. That Christ's blood sprinkles us, it covers us every day. That's why we so often talk about we are covered in Christ by Christ's righteousness. Now, friends, the reality for us is we grasp that truth that every sin is forgiven that does not lead us to sin more. It's a whole sermon for another day that Paul talks about in Romans. But when we understand that we are sprinkled by the blood of Christ, that every one of our sins is covered, that does not drive us to sin more. That drives us to want to sin less because we understand the grace and mercy of God and we want to now align our lives to who Christ already has proclaimed us to be. So friends, again, the question for you is this. Are you experiencing God's transforming grace when you look at your life, is your life changing, progressing in Christ's likeness because God is working 
in you? Are you seeing transformation happen in your life as you read the scriptures, as you pray, as you live in Christian community, as you experience the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you seeing your life change from where you were six months ago, where you were a year ago, where you were five years ago because you belong to God? And friends, I just wanna remind us, saving grace and transforming grace go together. You cannot have one without the other. If there's no transforming grace in our life, there's no saving grace. Friends, don't miss that. That is one of the big lies of a lot of American Christianity is you can pray this prayer, you can sign the card, you get baptized, now you live like you want, it's okay, you prayed the prayer, you're in the kingdom, you're good. Friends, that's not the testimony of Scripture. For all who are truly followers of Christ, for all who receive saving grace, transforming grace will follow. Scripture talks a lot about having fruit. If we have saving grace, the tree changes and it'll bear fruit. If there's no transforming grace, there is no saving grace. But if there is saving grace, transforming grace will follow. It is God's will for every one of his followers. All those, again, back to verse two, to her elect exiles who are the chosen strangers of God according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. But friends, the reality is God does this in our life as he saves us, as he transforms us, doesn't mean our lives are going to be easy. In fact, we read a lot of those scriptures earlier that our lives can be really hard because the world does not understand what we do and why. And so Peter ends his greeting, the beginning of this letter, with this amazing assurance of hope that we have as God changes us and transforms us and we find ourselves different than we used to be and different from the world. He gives us this amazing assurance in the midst of the hardships. Look at what we have. Last phrase of verse two. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. He's saying as you experience God's saving and transforming grace, you're going to experience even more grace. Now remember, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. And so the promise here is as you let God transform you, as you submit to the transforming work of God, as you experience the transforming work of God, he's going to give you grace after grace after grace. As it says in John chapter 1, verse 16, probably my favorite verse in all of Scripture, from his fullness we've received grace upon grace. Now, if you think back to when we studied this in John many years ago, if you ever go to the ocean, and some of you love to sit by the ocean, you see the waves crashing in. As soon as one wave crashes, what's right behind it? Another wave. And when that wave crashes in, what's next? Another wave. That's the image here for us. God's grace, giving us what we don't deserve, but strengthening us for, to, for following him is like waves of grace at the beach. Every time we need something and the next wave of grace comes, there's no limit to God's grace to help us follow him and to know him. We have grace upon grace upon grace to face whatever hardships this world throws at us. You see it as well in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, this amazing hope of the grace of God. So Ephesians one, three, I think we have it up on the screen for you there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with, notice this, every spiritual blessing. Friends, if you're in Christ, you're going to be different from the world. You're going to be different than how you used to be, and the world will not understand. You may face persecution for it. You may be ostracized for it, but God says, I'm going to let those waves of grace crash over you, and you will have something much better than the world can offer. You will have every spiritual blessing in Christ. But he offers something else as well. Go back to verse 2. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peace is the Old Testament concept of shalom, of wholeness, and he's reminding you, yes, life may be hard. Yes, you're gonna find yourself different and at odds with the world, but you can have peace, wholeness, completeness, and not just a little, but multiplying peace. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, being persecuted, being misunderstood, being at odds with the world, you have multiplying peace, multiplying wholeness because of what God is doing. 
It's like the old hymn says, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That is what Peter is describing here for us. So let's bring all that together, friends. What do we learn today from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2? Here's the, I think you already get this, but here's the main idea of this one verse. We are different because of God's saving grace and transforming grace. We, as the people of God, are different different from how we used to be and different from the world around us, not because of anything we've done, but because of God's saving and transforming grace. God has poured out his saving grace to change our standing before him. He's poured out his saving grace to change how our lives look, but he does not stop there day by day, hour by hour. God keeps pouring out on you and me his transforming grace so that we become more and more like Christ. So friends, my question is very simple for us this morning. Are you and am I different because of God's grace? Can we look to things and see how our lives are different today than when we trusted Christ? And can we see how God is conforming and sanctifying our lives? My friends, the reality is we're not as different as we need to be, are we? There's still areas of our life to where sin still has a grip on us. We're still like we used to be. We're not transformed as we should. And so the question for us as followers of Christ as we think about this is to go, Lord, where do you need to keep growing me? Or where do you want to keep transforming? Because his plan for you, if you're in Christ, is to look more like Christ. And so this week, as you reflect on your life, as you pray, as you read the scripture, be asking God, God, what are the areas where I do not look like Christ and you want to grow me? And put yourself under the word of God. Put yourself in prayer and let the Holy Spirit keep giving you transforming grace to know more of him. As our praise team comes, I want to ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes in just a moment of prayer. Would you begin to, for this week, already begin to pray that? Would you take just a minute just where you're seated and ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, search me. Where are the areas where you want to conform me to look more like Christ? So again, just take just a minute where you're seated and ask the Holy Spirit, say, where do I need to be conformed to look more like Christ? And it's the Holy Spirit whose grace begins to show you areas to where you need to look more like Christ. Don't let that be a thing to lead you to despair and don't let that be a thing to lead you to work harder. This is not a message to give to make us try harder and have greater determination. That won't work. Take just a minute as the Lord convicts of things and shows you things to ask him for his strength to change, to ask him to this week give you the strength, the desires to know him more and to obey him more. Friends, so much of the transformation God gives us, he does as the Holy Spirit takes scripture and applies it to our lives as he takes other believers who, speaks the, who speak the gospel into our lives. So would you take just a minute now and ask God to increase your desire for his word this week. But the Lord loves to work through community and one another. So would you ask the word to bring believers into your life who will help you pursue Christ more? And would you pray that the Lord would use you to encourage other believers on their faith journey as well? And lastly, friends, 
We talk about being different from the world. We're not saying this from a place that we're better. We're, we're not, friends. We all started in the exact same place. Everyone started sinners rebelling against God. But as ones who've experienced the grace of God and his goodness and his transforming work that we did not deserve, that we did not earn, that we could do nothing to get, we realize where he's brought us from death to life. So we take just a minute and ask the Lord to use you to make his grace known to people who need it. Father, you've heard the prayers of your people. It's incredible to realize that we're all talking to you and you hear every thought. You knew what we pray before we even prayed it. And you hear the prayers of all your people all over the world right now who are singing to you, praying to you. You hear it all, you know it all. You are all knowing. You are all wise. You are all powerful. And yet you've set your affection on us. Oh, Lord, thank you seems so inadequate to say to the sovereign God of the universe who's put his love on us, and took us from being your enemies to being your people. But I pray in my heart and the heart of these friends, this week, you would help us better understand your grace, your saving grace and your transforming grace. I pray this week that we would find ourselves all week long in awe of the fact that we are recipients of your grace. And what I pray this week, you would grow in us what we just asked you to do, a desire for your word, a desire for prayer, a desire for community, and would you would keep transforming us, showing us how you desire to conform us more and more to the image of Christ, that we might bring you glory and in the process find great, great joy. So Lord, use us this week. Our lives are yours. Our lives are not our own. So Lord, today we want to just with open hands say, Lord, our life belongs to you. Use it however you see fit this week for your purposes. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're about to sing our closing song and it's a I think a very fitting reflection of all these things. We're seeing how deep the Father's love for us. Friends, don't let us just be mere words you sing, but let us be a response of thankfulness to the Lord that he has set his affection on us. He's changed us. He's sanctified us. He's set us apart. And let's celebrate his love for us, his people today. Mother chose 
Friends, before I pray for us, can you say with all your heart you know his wounds have paid your ransom? If not, would you talk to one of us when the service is over? See, William, one of our elders is here. And Greg, maybe you guys can come to the front and be available if anyone needs to pray. And then if you just need some of God's transforming grace, you know you know Christ, but you're struggling with some sin strongholds, come talk to us. We'd love to pray over you this week. So Greg will be available and William will be available after the service if you need to talk to them. But let me close this in prayer. Father, we are thankful that you've put your love on undeserving sinners like us. And I pray this week we find great joy in knowing that we belong to you and you are holding us. So have your way in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great day ahead.